Welcome back to another episode of Nothing But Net, presented by Deep Dive Sports. It's me, Evan Smittle. I'm joined here by D-Paint, David Painting. And we do want to let you know that today's episode, there's going to be some viewer discretion advised. Um, We are going to talk about some of the recent news with Kyrie Irving and Josh Primo. So just be aware of that, uh, you know, if that's sensitive topics for you or for your the younger crowd. But with that being said, we are going to get ready and we're going to start, we're going to go back to our old format of, you know, having our four quarters of, of topics and we're going to get right into it. So of course, as I said, um, in terms of our tip off, just going to give a sneak peek of some of the biggest news stories that's been happening in the NBA. Unfortunately, a lot of them are not basketball related. Um, which is which is unfortunate as this stuff is distracting, but it is very important to touch on. So with that being said, we are going to talk later in the episode about Nets guard Kyrie Irving, who is continuing to face backlash for posting a link on Twitter to an anti-Semitic film last month, the end of October. Um, then we're also going to talk about former Spurs lottery pick Joshua Primo, who's under investigation for alleged indecent exposure to a former team clinical psychologist. So we're going to get into those a little bit deeper later on in our third quarter. But first, we're going to start off with our first quarter. We're going to talk about who's hot and who's not. So for anyone uh, who might be new tuning in, uh, this is just where each host will talk about one team or player who's been really hot. So playing really well since the last time we recorded and one who is not. So I'll start it off with you, David. Who do you have who is hot to start off with? All right. So I actually have two. All right. I love to see so one is the Utah Jazz, surprisingly. Yes, exactly. As it sits right now, they're 10-3, and 7-3 in their last 10, and have been averaging 118.8 points per game. Mm-hmm. Then the second one, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. They yeah. are presently, <laughs> as of this recording, 10-1, and 9-1 in their last 10, 113.6 points per game to 105.4 opponents points per game. And then my not are the Brooklyn Nets mm. as it sits right now. Now, yeah. like Evan said, we'll talk about Kyrie and all that later on in the show. So we'll discuss that. And but we both thought that they would be kind of kind of higher up in the standings, maybe not too much higher than they are right now, but still higher. And are currently scoring about 110 points per game yeah in terms of the nets i will say so far david i think you're closer on your prediction than i was um i want to say you had them like closer to nine ten where i had them up to like four five um so i think right now they're down like 13 in the east (laughs) you were definitely closer there with them it is interesting that since kyrie's gone out they've actually played better (laughs) at least one more games i think that's just because katie has like really stepped up in that time um, but that is interesting, you know, depending on how long Kyrie's out. How their interim head coach performs as well. Yeah. I forget where I saw this, but someone asked, like, who would be the most overrated player in the NBA? And the guy's response was actually Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I mean. And his logic was, while the guy as an individual player is a great player, mm-hmm. he hasn't really made anyone better yeah around him and almost every team he's been on he's almost wrecked to a point yeah no that's a good point i mean obviously his skills are undeniable he's a great individual player especially Mm -hmm. on offense but yeah i mean in terms of a team player 
he hasn't been a huge positive impact on a team, I would say, probably since that 2016 Cavs championship. I mean, you know, going into the then then that the face of that team was really LeBron James. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just going in after the year after that, of course, requesting a trade, then going to Boston and wasn't there very long, didn't last very long there. Um, And now all the issues, you know, that have come with with being on the Nets. I could definitely see that. Yeah, I'll touch on your other two that were hot. You're completely right in that the Milwaukee Bucks are crazy good right now. Not entirely unexpected. I think I had them to win the championship. I didn't look back, but not entirely unexpected. But I didn't think they'd start off this good, especially because they're missing Chris Middleton right now. And Giannis has just been insane. So I would say he's probably the early favorite for MVP. But then I can transition into my hot because I also picked the Utah Jazz in terms of that team that's hot. We were both really joking about them in our predictions and when we talked about the, the trade. trade. Yeah. yeah, that, you know, they were going to be bad, and right now they're not bad. They're number one in the West, like you said, 10-3. Right yes, for right now, exactly. It's still very early, but yes, we're over an eighth of the way into the NBA season, 82 games. They've played 13, so they're over an eighth there, so it's not just it's like a couple game sample size at this point. Also, Laurie Markinen, I think he's been the most impressive. And then like 22 points a game. Yeah, 22 points a game and shooting 52.7% from the field. Mm-hmm. And then similar to your stats about their points per game, there's also a stat called offensive rating, which is just points per 100 possessions. So basically an average game is around 100 possessions. They're second in offensive rating right now in the entire league and 10th in defensive rating. And if you combine those, that gives you your net rating. And they're fourth. So right now, they're only behind Suns, Bucks, and Cavs in terms of their rating, their offense, and their defense. Again, I don't totally think that's going to last, but I do think they might not be as bad as we all thought. You know, maybe they make a push for the play-in, or maybe they start to lose some games, eventually make some trades, but... I don't think they're going to be, you know, worse than the Rockets at this point. The Thunder, right now, they're they're even the Lakers at this point. They're probably going to be better than those teams. And yeah, in the teams they beat, I I wanted to note this: they have some really good wins. They've beaten Denver. They've beaten the Pelicans. They've beaten the Memphis Grizzlies twice, which we know with John Morant is no easy feat. Mm-hmm. They've beaten the Lakers twice, which isn't that hard, I guess, this season. But still, any team mm-hmm. that has that amount of talent. And then they've also beaten the Clippers and the Hawks. So, so let yeah. me put it this way. I'm guessing they beat the team but didn't beat LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what LeBron's stats were like in those games. I didn't get to actually check out those games. Yeah. Because sometimes those West night, those West yeah. Coast games are – those can be late. <laughs> but I don't know what LeBron's stats were. But I know those games were, I want to say, before they moved Russell Westbrook to the bench, which mm. has been working – a little bit better and by that meaning like getting one win <laughs> better <laughs> but he's at least been playing better off the bench mm. yeah i mean the jazz right now i'm interested to see how they how they do and i'm you know i'm cheering for him for right now just with yeah. them having glory marketing and colin sexton he hasn't put up as many points as i thought but he's played really well and it's surprising that they've played so well together as a team when they haven't been a team for more than a couple weeks you know after all these trades but Everyone's just going in and, and playing hard. And I think that has a lot also to do with their coach. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a new coach, Will Hardy. I think he's the youngest coach in the NBA, but right now has, has the Jazz playing really well. Hey, that's always great. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, good good for him as as a young coach. It's, I'm sure it's nice for him to be able to start off fast mm. and you know kind of validate himself a little bit. But for my not hot kind of, we touched on him a little bit, but I do have the LA Lakers. I think going off of last season, we knew they probably weren't going to be at the top of the Western Conference standings. Mm. But even then, I didn't expect it to be this slow of a start for them. They're two and nine right now, which is a really tough place to come back from. I will say the the Pelicans last year were I think one and fifteen or two and fifteen at the beginning of the year, and they came back to make the playoffs. So it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. But the Lakers just have so many issues. Mainly shooting is the biggest one. A couple stats on that: they're the twenty sixth ranked team in the league in terms of just field goal percentage shooting, so anywhere on the court. And they're last in the league by far in three-point shooting. And they're only making 29.3% of their three-pointers, which is not good. (laughs) In case anyone's wondering, not good at all. And, you know, the recipe for winning with LeBron has always been to surround him, which because he's always going to bring so much attention on him that if you have good shooters around him, you know, you can pile up a lot of points. But they do not have that right now. (laughs) Matt Ryan, not Colts benched quarterback Matt Ryan. But uh, basketball Matt Ryan is the only person on their team that's shooting above 40%. And earlier this summer, he was a door door dash driver. So if that says anything about the Lakers right now, in terms of their offensive rating, they're last in the league. Their defense isn't terrible. They're 13th, so um, top, top half of the league. But because their offense is so bad, their net rating, so the combination of the two, they are 28th. So... You know, I think you guys talked about it some on the Let's Talk Sports episode that came out recently. They've got to make some moves. It's very hard at this point. They're going to have to try to make maybe that move with the Pacers for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. And at this point, they just need to get rid of those picks. They're not they're the Lakers. They're always going to be able to get talent to come here in free agency. At this point, they can't be wasting LeBron's last couple of years. At two and nine. <laughs> so they got to make something happen. Got to switch. Got to, uh, you know, change things up a little bit. But it's not looking good right now for the Lakers. I know. So that's our hot nut. We'll head on into a little bit more good news for, for us Cavs fans here. Um, and head into what we call our second quarter, which is an update on the home team. As we're both Cleveland Cavaliers fans here. So right now the Cavs are eight and three. Uh, they were eight and one, but just dropped their last two games on there. West Coast trip to the Clippers and the Kings. But I'll let you start off, David. What do you want to say about the start to the Cavs season so far? Honestly, it's been freaking amazing. <laughs> it has. <laughs> I mean, I think that, yeah, expectations were high, but I think not this high, especially early yeah. on. Now, like we said before with the Jazz, it's a long season. We'll have to wait and see. But as it sits right now, they're doing freaking amazing. And – they're 8-2 in their last 10 games. Uh, Mitchell has been scoring 31.9 points wow. per game. Jeez. Allen has been getting 11.7 rebounds per game and averaging about 14 points yeah. as well. And then everyone else is, has been getting involved. Yes, the primary is Mitchell and Allen and Garland and all, but everyone else is still piling on points as well. It's just not the big four. So you have to worry about everyone because everyone on that team can score if you give them the opportunity to to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I've been so impressed with the Cavs' start to the season as well. I mean, yeah, Mitchell has been the big hero of it all, right? We got 
very excited when he came in over the offseason. I think he, for me at least, exceeded expectations so far. But you got to remember a lot of these games, I think six, five or six of those games, Darius Garland was out. And he only played about 13 or so minutes in that first game. And they won all the games where he was out. And then came back and one of those games, they beat the Celtics. And then when he came back, they beat the Celtics in overtime. So they have two wins in overtime over the Celtics, who we all know were in the finals last year. So that's super impressive. And like you said, it's not just Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. I mean, Kevin Love has played extremely well to start the season. Jetty Osman has been really good. Karis LeVert has been, you know, as inconsistent as he is. He's had some really good games, getting that 41-pointer in the first game against Boston. I would say the only person that I would say would have been underwhelming so far has just been Isaac Okoro, especially just offensively. He hasn't really been able to get much going on that end of the floor. So if he can, you know, step it up a little bit offensively, the Cavs still have more room to grow. And and even Darius Garland in the games he's played, he he hasn't been, I don't think, 100-100%. He hasn't at least looked as aggressive as he was, you know, last season. So mm. I think the Cavs still have room to grow. Oh, and I got to mention Dean Wade, too. He does not get a lot of credit, but he has played extremely well, especially in those Celtics games, a lot of times guarding Jason Tatum. Very impressed with, with Dean Wade. I think at this point, He's had the best D-Wade career on the Cavs so far because Dwayne Wade, loved Dwayne Wade, but on the Cavs, he wasn't really wasn't really doing it. He was That was not a great fit for Dwayne Wade at all. No, it wasn't. And looking at some of the numbers, too, um, and these ones are, are even surprising to me based on how well the Cavs are doing. I didn't think they were doing this well. They're number three right now in offensive rating mm. in the entire league. They're number three right now in defensive rating in the entire league which actually averages them out to be number two in the league right now in net rating, only below the Suns. And that is partially because the Suns had a big blowout win last night. So it's not just that they're getting wins, but they are playing really quality basketball. Did did drop those last couple to the Clippers and the Kings. I don't know what it is about the Cavs. They never seem to play well on those West Coast trips, at least in recent memory. Mm. They looked pretty exhausted against the Kings. I watched the first half, went to sleep, and then watched some of the second half this morning. And they just looked tired. Mm. They had a back-to-back, Lakers, Clippers, and then they had one day off and then against the – so with the time change and everything, I said I think that played a part in it. Mm. Their next game, I believe, is against the Warriors, or they have a game against the Warriors coming up very soon. So I'm excited to see how they play in that game. Hopefully can get a little bit of a bounce back against, as we know, a really quality opponent in, in the defending champs. So very pleased with how the Cavs have been doing so far. Yeah. And Donovan Mitchell, last thing I want to say on them, he's in a lot of people's top three so far in the early MVP race. I mean, like you said, putting up over 31 points per game. How could he not be with the Cavs playing so well? But if he could keep it up, it'd be really interesting to have the Cavs have another player in the MVP conversation since we obviously haven't had that since since LeBron left. Yeah. So now we're going to move into our third quarter, where we are going to touch a little bit on those news stories that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. So again, um, the viewer discretion is advised for this segment of the podcast. So first, we want to touch on the Kyrie Irving situation a little bit to get everyone up to speed, if you're not familiar. Um, Like I said earlier, the Nets guard Kyrie Irving is continuing to face backlash for posting a link on Twitter to an anti-Semitic film last month. Um, That film was on Amazon Prime. Currently, I don't know if they've taken it down. I hope they have, but I'm not sure. But essentially, 
For a week after he posted the link to the film, everyone was asking him to apologize, say he condemned anti-Semitism. He didn't do that for a whole week afterwards. He just kind of dug his heels in and said, oh, I'm not promoting this. But any reasonable person, I think if you can post something on your social media without any context, it kind of sounds like it's like, oh, you should check this out. Or, oh, I really like this movie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if he said something in the comments where he said maybe, I agree with one quote in this movie, the rest is bad. Yeah, that's one thing, but he didn't. And he continued to dig his heels in, which on November 3rd caused the Nets to suspend him indefinitely. Of course, after that, he, he decided to apologize. Um, and then on November 4th, uh, Nike suspended its relationship with, with Kyrie Irving effective immediately as well. I know the Nets said his suspension will be at least five games. And the requirements for them, for Kyrie to return, are he has to complete six steps which is to apologize and condemn the film he promoted. I believe he's apologized. I'm not sure if he condemned the film completely yet. Make a $500 donation to anti-hate causes. Complete a sensitivity training. Complete an anti-Semitism training. Meet with the American Defamation League and Jewish leaders. And also meet with the team owner, Joe Tsai, to determine an understanding of the situation. Real which, quick. Yeah. Was it 500 or 500,000? 500,000, yes. Sorry if I, if I said that wrong, but yes, a $500,000 donation to anti-hate causes, which to Kyrie is basically $500 in terms of how much money he But those are the stipulations. I know he's met with the owner. I know he's apologized at this point, but not sure where else on those stipulations. But David, I want to get your thoughts just first off, just your thoughts on the matter and at the beginning and, you know, before we get into the punishment, just the thoughts on what went down with Honestly, I think it's just what's the right word for it. I'll just say terrible at the moment. I know that there's mm -hmm. a lot better words for it. I just can't. I just don't know what they are at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, he has apologized for it. And there are some that do believe that his apology is somewhat meaningless to a degree. Mm -hmm. So, and then... But yeah, just as a whole, I think I think it's just terrible because it brings us back to the Robert Sarver discussion that we had a while back. Because if you have any amount of power, whether it be financial, political, job title, whatever that power may be, you're especially if you have a following such as Kyrie Irving, it's so our expectations of everyday citizens are at a certain level, at a certain degree, if you have a following on like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and you have a financial power, political power, the expectations of you being a decent human being are infinitely times higher than the average, yeah, the average person. Because but also then, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Exactly. You influence whether you mean to or not a lot of people's lives. To some degree, maybe not a hundred percent, but to some degree, you do influence some somebody's life, life especially if it's the youth. And then LeBron James did come out and try to defend Kyrie. Yeah, I saw that too. He and we can discuss the punishment a little bit after you give your general thoughts. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. He thought the punishments were the boiled down version of the quote is that he thought that the punishment was too extreme. Mm -hmm. And that because Kyrie apologized for it, he thought that he should be able to play. Yeah. But I'll get into why I disagree with that in a moment, but I'll hand it back to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just in terms of the matter as a whole, 
just based on so many things, I agree with so many things that you said, David, it's just despicable for Kyrie to do this. You know, even if it was an uninformed mistake, maybe he didn't even watch the the whole movie. Maybe he saw one quote from it that he agreed with. But the fact that it took him over a week to apologize and to condemn the film and that he pushed back and just dug his heels in and made it seem like he didn't do anything wrong. That's the part that I really have a problem with, because like you said, he has so much influence over people, especially younger generations. I think in this in the press, the first press conference, when people were asking about it, he said, well, I didn't promote it. I didn't promote it. You know, I just posted it. Is that promoting it? Well, yeah, when you're followed by a bunch of young kids, a bunch of aspiring basketball players that, you know, love your game and really look up to you. If you post something, they might check that out. And first of all, it's not age appropriate for them. But second, most inform- first and foremost, obviously, it's just hateful and, and nothing that anyone should be should be watching or subscribing to. So that's a part that really upsets me is just he has so much influence. It seems like he doesn't. I don't know how he wouldn't realize the influence he has, but he seems like he wants to deny that. But using that influence to push hate is is not OK. And so I'll go into a little bit on the on the punishment as well. And I also wanted to touch on the thing you said about LeBron. So for me, I mean, I just think this punishment is honestly the bare minimum for Kyrie. None of these things are hard. I kind of got to think about it as if something like this happened in a normal workplace, because that's really what the NBA is for these people. It is their workplace, but they also have a bunch of influence. So if someone said something anti-Semitic in their workplace, I have to imagine that they'd have to apologize Probably not have to make a $500 donation, but for Kyrie, that's really not too, $500,000 donation, but for Kyrie, again, not too difficult. But they would certainly have to complete some kind of sensitivity or anti-Semitism training. They'd probably have to meet with their boss to discuss what went down. And again, maybe not meeting with the local Jewish leaders, but that's just another thing that Kyrie has so much influence that it's not hard for him to do these things. And so I think the punishment really is the bare minimum. Um, I think it's very easy for Kyrie to complete. And I was disappointed in LeBron's statement because at first he did come out and condemn everything that Kyrie said. But then he comes out and says, well, he apologized. He should be able to play. But I think you also have to not just apologize. You have to take accountability for your actions, which I think are what these six steps are meant to do for Kyrie. And I feel like if they just let him back in after apologizing, it would have just been an empty sanction or an empty, it would have been an empty apology at that point because he just was doing it so he could play again, so he could save face. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I'll turn it back over to you in terms it, of that punishment. It, I think it creates a precedent, essentially. <laughs> it, I think it was just because this was one event, just one time, and yes, did he break it into a week-long thing is a whole other issue. But since it was just, as far as I'm aware, mm-hmm. I won't say that, that everyone knows this. As far as I'm aware, this was the only time that this has happened. Yeah. So I think that as a boss, you have to balance, uh, is this a repetitive issue? Or is this just a one-time thing and it was, an, like you said, a mistake that he didn't understand the meaning behind. Mm-hmm. So while yes, I do think that there might be room to grow from this. And in terms of punishment wise, I think that because this was just 
again, as I understand it and uh, I'm aware of, this was just a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. And people didn't really ask for much to begin with. Right. They just wanted him to apologize and to denounce the film. Right. And the league basically took that and expanded it. Yeah, I think I think if he would have just done that in the first place, I don't think there would have been any more issues. But I think the fact that it took him so long, you know, there was press conferences that were show like, you know, distributed and that really hurt the not just the reputation of the Brooklyn Nets, but of course the reputation of the NBA as a whole. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think that had to go a little bit harder. And it's also this is the first time Kyrie has, you know, set, made anti-Semitic comments to my knowledge or, you know, spread, I guess he didn't make the comments himself, but spread those comments throughout the internet. But it's not the first time that he's kind of spread misinformation, obviously not as as hurtful to this degree, but we all probably remember the flat earth thing where he was spreading that he believes the earth is flat, which is just scientifically not true. And, you know, he obviously had that vaccination disagreement with the vaccination last year. And, you know, it's his own choice whether to get it or not, but he was also spreading misinformation about the vaccine um, and potential dangers of it that just weren't true. So I think the Nets are trying to get him to say, you can't keep doing these kind of things, spreading this kind of misinformation without some kind of, you know, punishment or accountability. So that's what I think the thoughts are, but it's a very tough, it's tough, you know, conversation all around. Yeah, it's a it's a very difficult conversation to have. But like you like both of us said, we're we're basing this off of what we know to be true and what we are currently and presently aware of. Yeah. And that kind of blends into or is a good lead into the the next topic, which is another tough situation and even less clear in terms of what happened at this point in time. But Right now, we know that a former clinical psychologist for the San Antonio Spurs filed a lawsuit last Thursday morning, alleging that the organization ignored her repeated reports of indecent exposure by Joshua Primo, who's the 2021 lottery pick. He was released by the team very suddenly last year, right before this all came out. And according to the lawsuit, he exposed himself to Dr. Hilary Cawthon, a total of nine times, and the first incident allegedly occurred during a psychological session back in December 2021 and was reported to Spurs management in January of 2022. Now, Primo, of course, through his attorney, denied any wrongdoing and lashed out at these claims, saying that she's playing to ugly stereotypes and racially charged fears for her own financial benefit, and he also called it an act of betrayal against the client. The Spurs CEO, uh, R.C. Buford, said the franchise disagrees with the accuracy of facts, details, and the timeline presented by this lawsuit. And Buford, the CEO, also said, while we'd like to share more information, we will allow the legal process to play out, adding that the Spurs will remain committed to upholding the highest standards and will continue to live by our values and culture. And just recently, police have begun actually investigating these allegations that he exposed himself on multiple occasions to the former team therapist during counseling sessions. Now, I don't think we want to speculate on this ongoing investigation because we're not, uh, you know, legal officers, but I, I think it would be interesting just to hear your thoughts on what do you think the next steps are both for the Spurs in this and for, for Primo in this situation, you know, after being released. 
Well, first off, I think the situation is absolutely disgusting. Mm-hmm. Just to get that off the plate and out of the way, I think that if this is true to the degree that the doctor says, then he definitely deserves to be cut from the team. And the Spurs had every right to try and separate themselves mm-hmm. from Primo in this the situation as best they could. Yeah. Now, I think that, like you said, they disagree with the accuracy of the facts as detailed in the timeline presented. Now, if that comes out to be, I guess you could say, false in the in the timeline, mm-hmm. and she actually did what she said she did and informed them, then I think there that should involve some form of punishment on behalf yeah. of the Spurs. And then to Primo's point of betrayal of against a client, she is a psychologist, mm-hmm. and he is right that psychologists aren't allowed to necessarily break psychologist client privileges or whatever it's called unless a law was broken in this case which it would be so mm. yeah so, to a degree unless like you said there was a law that was broken right and then she is in perfectly capable of saying what she thought was wrong mm-hmm. and especially because according to cbs a cbs article that came out i forget when it came out i think it was but it was definitely within the last few days Mm -hmm. that stated that she wasn't necessarily the only woman that he had apparently done this to. Yeah. He had done this to several other women as well. Right. Allegedly. Right. So then, yeah, then she was completely in her right to say something, Mm -hmm. anything to prevent a crime to happen. Yeah. If uh, again, allegedly. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's a tough situation. Like, like I said, we don't want to speculate, but I do think it was, an important story in in the you know NBA sphere that we did want to touch on and in terms of just next steps for the Spurs I think they just need to let this at this point just let this investigation play out yeah. and like you said if it does come out that that these things were true and that it was reported and nothing was done you know at this point for 11 months 10 months until it almost came out I think there needs to be a lot of sanctions from the league against the Spurs in terms of Whoever knew about this uh, and didn't report it should face very serious punishment, probably losing their job. And for Primo, he, again, kind of needs to do the same thing, let the investigation play out. And if this does come come out that, again, it was true, he should not get a, a job in the NBA again. You know, he at one point was a talented young player that the Spurs were excited about. But if this is true, no team should take a risk of – endangering their own employees by having this guy around and i understand that people can change and people can heal and but at this point i just if this comes out to be true i would be extremely disappointed if he does get another job in the nba but in terms of all these situations along with the starver situation back you know earlier in the year i think it's just showing us a little bit in that everyone myself included for a long time kind of held the nba up as more of a progressive league and not as much of this stuff happens as say the NFL or, or baseball, but it's, it is shining a light that these things are still happening in the NBA and there is still a lot of work to do in terms of the workplace culture in the NBA as well. So while these things are terrible, hopefully these issues coming up to light. And of course, along with the Ime Adoka situation will hopefully shine some light on some of these issues and hopefully teams will continue to, 
look into these things further and make sure these things aren't happening to endanger their employees or, you know, create hostile work environments. And this goes across the board, whether and it doesn't matter if it's a player, like an average ever, everyday employee who work, is working on the janitor, janitorial staff or the owner and other executives. Mm-hmm. This yeah. should go across the board. Yeah, all the punishments should be the same. Whether, you know, if it was a janitor that allegedly did this or a janitor that maybe made the kind of comments that Robert Sarver made, mm. Robert Sarver should say should face those same issues. Obviously, it's difficult when he's literally the owner of the team, but the NBA in those situations has to has to step in there. So moving on to, um, you know, some a little more lighthearted things. We're going to move on to our fourth quarter, which we call game time. And we talk about the best game of since the last time we recorded the podcast, and then also what game we're excited to watch in the upcoming week. So I I thought the best game, and as Cavs fan, we might be a bit biased, but I thought, honestly, the best game of the past couple weeks was that second game, Cavs versus Celtics, where the Cavs ended up beating the Celtics in overtime for the second time in a week. Darius Garland returned. I think he had 29 points. It was just a good game overall. It was very competitive. It was extremely exciting, went down to the wire. And at this point, looks like it could be a potential matchup of some really high seeds, whether it's Eastern Conference final potential matchup or Eastern Conference semifinal. It could be a preview. And those games really felt like playoff games almost. Just the intensity was high in both those games, but especially the one that was in Cleveland. I thought the intensity was super high. So I thought that was the best game of last week. If you didn't see it, you know, at least check out the highlights on, on YouTube. You can see that Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse was really going crazy during that game. Did you agree on that, David, or do you have a different pick of your best game? Honestly, that's kind of fair. This, <laughs> this team is just too exciting not to say. Yeah. <laughs> and it would either be them or probably someone someone that's in the top two seeds. So like okay. Milwaukee or a, or a uh, Utah Jazz which is a complete surprise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and then I think the first game, I think it was the first Cavs versus Celtics game that we were actually eating dinner and we were watching yeah. it over on the side. Oh, the yeah, I remember the that. Bar. And that the bar was, time. yeah, the bar was even, was even getting really excited. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of looking ahead, I'm really excited for this game that's coming up. It's going to be next week on the 15th of November. It's going to be on national TV on TNT. And I think it'll be a good one. The Memphis Grizzlies versus the New Orleans Pelicans. Two extremely young, talented, hungry teams uh, in the Western Conference that I think, you know, kind of are looking at the future of the Western Conference with Memphis, with John Morant and Desmond Bain. We're on New Orleans. You have Brandon Ingram. And, of course, Zion Williamson. So I'm super excited to see how that game shakes out coming up next week. And for me, I have the next day's prime time between Boston and Atlanta. That was another one I was looking at. That was another one I was looking at. So that is you have the the Western Conference, mm. whereas I have the Eastern Conference. <laughs> exactly. I think Boston and Atlanta are almost identical in the standings right now, I want to say, too. So... Yeah, that'll definitely be a good one. Another early test. Yeah, three and four right now in Boston or Boston and Atlanta. So that will be another great game. 
I haven't got to watch Atlanta as much as I'd like, but I want to see how that pairing of DeJounte Murray and Trey Young looks. Obviously, it looks pretty well if they're 7-4 and four right now, mm-hmm. but I'd like to see that, that game, so I'll definitely have to check that out as well. Mm-hmm. Moving in to our last segment, which we call here our, our buzzer beater, we have each of us giving a bold prediction for the upcoming week in the NBA. Um, so do you want to go ahead and give your bold prediction, David? Oof. Or any kind of prediction. It doesn't have to be that <laughs> I think that maybe not in the next coming week, but throughout before the trade deadline, I'm going to say that Russell Wilson either gets traded to another team or gets cut by the Lakers. Russell Westbrook? Well, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Russell Wilson is also struggling <laughs> out in Denver. Yeah. But yeah, I think that he's going to be traded from the Lakers or cut from the Lakers at some point. Yeah, I think he has pretty much ever since he signed that contract or got traded for, he has done absolutely nothing for the team. Yeah, when they traded for him, it was very interesting. I remember because it was a it was a lot of what I want to say it was around draft time and might have been later a couple off seasons back. Mm. And I know there were so many rumors at that time of the who was gonna who they were gonna trade for. And it was actually tweeted out by I think it was Adrian Wojnarowski or Shams that they were pretty much set on trading for Buddy Heald, which a lot of people want them to trade for now, who was on the Kings at the time. There were some other pieces, um, but I don't remember exactly who. And then it comes out actually they're trading for Russell Westbrook, uh, which was just crazy at the time. And I think yeah, it would have to be a trade because I think if they cut him they're gonna take on like almost all of his contract just in dead money. Mm. So I don't think they're going to want to cut him just because it's weird because off the bench, especially his numbers are, they don't, they're still not bad. Like I think the other night he had like 19, nine and 10, like in theory, that looks really good, but it's just not meshing with the rest of the team. So Mm. I think definitely the Lakers will have to make that move at some point this season. I think what they're hoping for potentially is that he keeps looking good coming off the bench maybe raises his value up a little bit to where maybe some team that once they get further towards the trade deadline, maybe some team that's right on the edge of making the the playoffs or making that play in that is a really hungry young team. Maybe they're like, you know what? We'll trade, we'll trade for us, but he can get us at least to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to end up happening, but I do think they'll have to make that trade. at some. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good prediction for my prediction. I went, it wouldn't seem bold, but it is kind of bold right now. My prediction, and I don't want this to happen, but I could just see it happening, is that the Jazz could lose their next five games in a row. You know, they play, let me see who they have. I was looking at this. They have the Wizards next, so that could that could be a, an easy win for them, but potentially the Wizards are kind of feisty with Kuzma and Beal and all those guys. They have the Wizards, the Sixers, the Knicks, the Suns, and then the Portland Trailblazers, who have been surprising to start this season. So... The Jazz, they've had a really good start, but I could see things starting to catch up to them soon. And I think if that does happen a couple weeks down the road, if they keep losing, that's when they'll probably start to go out and trade maybe some of their veterans on their team, like Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson. Those could be some people that potentially the Lakers look at, too, if, if uh, you know, those guys do go on the block. But that'll be my bold prediction right now is the, the Jazz will drop their next five, which will still put them at 10 and 8. But makes it obviously much more difficult for them going forward than that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is our show right now for Nothing But Net. So thank you, David, for joining me. It was a pleasure, as always. 
And thank you all for listening to this episode of Nothing But Net presented by Deep Dive Sports. And we will see you all next time.